Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we welcome Elodie O'Rourke. Elodie is the Customer Success Director and Leader at the Financial Times and co-chair of FT Families. She's passionate about making businesses successful by capitalizing on customer centricity and more widely about diversity and inclusion leading to social change. We will learn about Elodie, her views about customer centricity and DNI within businesses today. Elodie, welcome. Good morning. How are you doing? Uh, I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me, first of all. So really happy to be here. Wonderful. I know just before we started the podcast, we were exchanging where we're based. As you know, I'm based here in the UK, uh, in the greater London area. Tell us a little bit about where you're based. So I'm now based in Amsterdam, but it's still, uh, well, in my head, at least uh, fairly recent. But while I was talking to you, I realized that in June, it's going to be two years already. And uh, so my uh, company is obviously very British because I'm working at the Financial Times and my head office is still in London, but I came here to uh, open a branch. And uh, funnily enough, it actually started as a joke because my back then my boss said, oh, we are opening a branch in Amsterdam and say, oh, can I go as a joke? And then say, well, actually, we need someone. <laughs> To go there uh, to uh, manage the office and everything so I was like oh okay um so yeah this is how it all started wonderful and um, such an interesting vision and goal that uh, I mean obviously your company is, um, is 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 leading on but you're at the forefront of it starting an FT office in Amsterdam is it actually just for Amsterdam or is it for a for the region or for a group of countries or so uh, we do already have uh, what we call bureaus uh, all over Europe so like in Brussels which is probably the the biggest one in Europe because we have like a um, quite a large well quite a few journalists based there due to the the nature of the the city which is the european capital as you know then we have a bureau in paris uh madrid uh frankfurt and sofia which is quite a large hub as well but it's more our product team that is based there and then for amsterdam it was uh actually my department was leading on this for on this instance and it was to send a strong message post-Brexit to our European customer and also to have a presence in Amsterdam because it's quite a financial hub as well with all the tech, high tech going on and um, trying to also attract new customers in that field. Okay, wonderful. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that one later on, but I'm keen to hear about, you know, your personal and professional journey and obviously all of that leading to what you're doing now. But uh, tell us a little bit about where it all started and, you know, for you personally and professionally, how you've actually navigated through all of this. Well, if I have to summarize my uh, career journey is that I had to reinvent myself several times. Um 
to adapt with the economic downturn or because initially I I'm French and I was based in south of France and I graduated in uh, logistic and transport but it was right after the 9-11 uh, event and I, I actually I wanted to work in the for airlines or uh, in the air uh, airline industry and obviously well uh, it didn't uh, work really well so I had to reinvent myself and then I was like actually I did that study that journey more to please my family rather than to like a real passion for uh, logistic and transport and then I was like okay what should I do and I was already kind of uh, doing some volunteering with um, accessibility and making uh, tourism activities uh, accessible to uh, children, uh, impaired children. So because I was living in South of France, which is very touristy, as uh, everybody knows. And then it all started like this. So I actually redone some uh, studies. I uh, qualified as a carer, actually, for uh, disabled people. And my family was really shocked because I went from a university degree to something that is uh, absolutely not related and it's more a physical job. But very long story short, I managed to, through that path, I actually met my uh, last boss in France, who is uh, a senior architect, is working for the French government and is making, is helping out businesses to become accessible. And uh, the government in France actually subsidized some businesses too because there are very uh, specific laws and how you should be accessible for every public uh, venue, actually. So, um, and we met and it was like a, a, a kind of professional uh, love at first sight. So he actually hired me as his assistant and is uh, disabled himself. So that's, that's how I, I got to meet him. And uh, and then he believed in me and as a true Pygmalion basically taught me everything. And I went from a very like his assistant doing more admin work to actually being his like real assistant and doing some uh, a lot of work regarding accessibility, leading some project and stuff like this. And um, and then at some point I met my husband who wasn't my husband yet, who's uh, British. And then we were like, OK, what do we do now? And uh, obviously. Um, South of France is not the best place to find a good job. And he was working in the, well, he's still working actually in the video game industry. So at some point I was like, okay, I will move to the UK. But back then I didn't speak uh, English or I barely spoke English. So that was really bad. And then I was like, okay, well, once again, I had to reinvent myself. So very long story short, I couldn't do what I was doing in France. But I had this DNI, uh, DNA still in me, you know, so uh, and because French was the only option for me at the very beginning, I started to work in call centers. But then I actually got promoted very quickly. And then at some point I was like in customer service, I was like, this is not for me. I mean, I was doing well. I was hitting all my targets. I was even promoted to my people management position. But then I was like, that's not my thing. So I stopped, I posed, I reflected, and then I ended up uh, landing a job at DFT as a customer success manager. And this is how my new career started, if I may say. Amazing. You know, uh, yeah, as you were describing it, I'm just hearing several pivotal moments 
in your career and your personal journey to, as you described it, to redefine yourself or re reinvent yourself. But I'm also hearing a lot of agility. You are just able to navigate through from where I'm sitting and where I'm hearing seamlessly. Um, in, in my view, that's 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 more related to you know your values and how you've actually just operated built in. But you also mentioned about DNI and that within your DNA. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, first of all, it's because in my uh, inner cycle, some uh, people were um, impacted by disabilities. So for me, it was really, uh, it's always it's always been like a, a cause uh, close to my heart, if I may say so, because I had some in my own mother or even like different type of disability, physical or neurodivergent uh, people. Um, yeah, so for me, it was important, especially because, uh, well, if you know me, what I, I can, I'm, I can be very, as you said, agile and flexible, but I can't stand unfairness. So I can be very diplomatic and everything. I was actually joking about that with my uh, team and boss recently to say, if I see unfairness somewhere, I would go berserk and almost like my French side would come yeah. out and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> And then actually at DFT, which is uh, absolutely fantastic, we do have uh, quite a lot of uh, ERGs and uh, DNI is very important for the company uh, to the board level. And then uh, everything started my DNI journey at DFT because one of my colleagues heard about uh, a new ERG group uh, starting, which was called, uh, well, at the beginning, they didn't even have a name, but now they are called FT Access. And then say, well, I have those skills and uh, it's a shame that I don't use these skills and I didn't really have the, the as you know, I mean, London life is quite busy. So I didn't really have the, the time to volunteer uh, next to my job because it was quite demanding. And on the weekend, sometimes I just wanted to relax or to see my friends or do whatever I wanted to do. And then I was like, OK, so it's the, a good way for me to actually use those skills and then um, instead of completely uh, forgetting about that side of me, which is still very important to me. And then uh, actually they are doing really well uh, with FT Access. And then I was like, I became a mom. And I was like, maybe let's, uh, I saw a gap like, okay, we have hefty women. That's great. We have uh, proud for uh, LGBT group plus uh, people. We have FT Embrace for, uh, people from um, the BAME community, etc. But then we don't really have anything for FT families. And then I, I, I didn't come up with the idea actually, but I was part of the the the, the funding members. And then uh, because the pandemic happened in the middle, and then I was like, it's even more important now because we were uh, <laughs> we couldn't use childcare or schools anymore. And then uh, this is all the the. It was really useful to have, at least uh, we use Slack at DFT and to have a group where people could share their, dis you know, their despair or they're just like, oh, how do you do, you know, to even manage to work and look after your children and la, la, la. And I was lucky enough back then that my daughter, uh, she was uh, too young to go to school. So I didn't have to homeschool, but imagine when you have to do that on top of this. So, 
uh, and then we drove some uh, activities and yeah this is how uh, it all started and yeah I still I'm still very passionate about that amazing it's it's um, very interesting how you actually described you know FT success but also how you've uh, championed some of those discussions within you mentioned about board about management teams and so forth um and where you're at now you also mentioned about some um some channels that you use like slack to actually probably get yes. the communication rolling so that's very good but broadly i mean aside from dni um in your view what types of conversations should companies be having you know, at executive team or even at leadership level, board level, what do they, what, what, what types of conversations should they be actively thinking about? I mean, DNI is obviously one of them, and feel free to elaborate on that. But if there's anything else in your view, share, please. Yeah, of course, DNA it's very important because, and it's actually linked to customer centricity because when you're a leader in a company, you're customers are your employees in a way because you can't operate without your employees and they are your customers in a way so you have to of course it's like um in french there is a saying which is oh the customer is king it's not like that actually because at some point you need to uh, if you're real about customer centricity you need to actually attract the right customers and if a customer is not the right customer for you, you 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 actually have to have those difficult conversations and to let them go. And it's exactly the same with your employees. So um, also you need to uh, listen to them. Same with customer, like real customer, because instead of assuming what people need, you need to hear directly from them. I mean, like, I even if you are the best intention person in the world, like for instance, I although I didn't come up with like from a wealthy background, I'm still a white privileged woman in a sense, especially now in my current position. What do I know about what a person, a black person, for instance, is living or the racism they are facing in their day-to-day -day job? I, I have absolutely well, I'm trying to educate myself, of course, but it's not the same. You don't experience it. Why do I know about someone who's actually stuck in a wheelchair? I don't know. I'm I'm lucky enough to be healthy. And you know what I mean? So you need to hear from the people directly. And also you shouldn't shy away from difficult conversation because never, well, first of all, it never anything good happen in your comfort zone and where you pretend everything is okay because there is always room for improvement. So you need to have those controversial conversation and you need to, to build some trust with your uh, employees as a leader and or your customers because they need you need to trust them. They will tell you if something is not going on, but also don't expect them to solve all your, um, your problems like that. You need to be proactive about it and ask, for feedback and all the voice of the customer, et cetera. So I think for me, customer centricity is very important and you can't succeed without making your customers happy. And as a company, you can't succeed if your employees are unhappy because if they're unhappy, they will spread some negativity. They will potentially leave. You will lose talent. Losing talent costs money, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, you know, Elodie, it's, it's such a great way of describing it, that intersection between that customer centricity, you know, the staff, the employees, your external clients, and, you know, the DNI elements of it. You know, I'm working with a number of companies as well, executive teams, board level teams. You know, that that concept around customer centricity, it's it's very diluted in many, many organizations. And, you know, you mentioned about customer is king and you're right. It's not that there's a much more broader meaning to to to, the, to, to that and and how some of these executive teams and board level members define that and how they kind of embed it is such an important aspect. But it sounds like with your vision of what what it could mean for you know your environment you are championing that and and that's just great to hear how you've described it and how you're actually asking why you're challenging you know having those difficult conversations why not um is is is, is great to hear how you're actually bringing that to the forefront so uh, you know you are in a in an influential role i, I see that you are in an influential role um, are there any experiences or um, stories that that you want to share or elaborate from what you are experiencing now as as a senior leader that's resulting in um, you know positive outcomes? I mean, you've already mentioned a few, but is there anything else that you want to kind of elaborate on? Yeah, I think also what I used to tell my team as well is that you don't need to be a manager to be a leader. True. Um, first of all, um, because I actually uh, became a people manager almost by accident. Um, and also because I was bored in my customer service a little time because it didn't even last three years in my career. And then I was like, okay, what about, actually I got convinced by uh, a colleague like, oh, you should apply and see how it goes. And actually I, I realized that I liked it, but um and then when I was doing a bit of retrospective, I, I realized that in my early years, in my youth, I was actually taking some leadership role uh, with my uh, in my spare time because I was involved in charities or um, even I was passionate about music and I was uh, animating and I was the admin on a forum. Back then it wasn't social media, I wasn't anything, so it was on forums, etc. So you, yeah, don't, and also what I, tell my team on a, well, which is, I apply this to myself. Don't expect anybody in your life to make you happy. You're on your life, you're on your career. So it is important for you to actually assess, first of all, what makes you happy and then to try to go with it. Because if you are happy, it's going to sound very cheesy, but everything will come to you almost naturally. Of course, they, uh, as Seneca, the, the Roman philosopher, used to say, like, luck is when uh, preparation meets opportunity, and this is exactly how it is. So, But even when I hear, um, you know, I don't believe in fate. It's just it's, you make your life. You make things. I'm the best example of this. I mean, who, who would have thought, even in my family, when I said I leave everything, I took two suitcases with me, and I went to the UK. I didn't speak English. Well, I spoke English, but like a, a very broken English. They were like, you're crazy. I mean, you have a good life here. And I was like, I don't know. I just want to go there and try. And I, I knew that at some point I, I reached a ceiling. So yeah, that's why. And actually my uh, current role is still 
recent because uh, I'm in this role for how long? Nine months now. And yeah, it's just, even if it happened because I had this opportunity, but I was actually, I told my uh, boss back then that I was actually job hunting because I felt that I was a bit bored in my role. And then I was like, okay, of course I love DFT. I I feel that that's for me a great company to to work with and to work for. But then I was like, okay, but I feel like I've done my job long enough and I need more now. I need to stretch myself. So don't expect people to serve everything on a silver platter to you. I think it's very true for any professional, but also I would tell exactly the same thing to my children because otherwise you will be disappointed if you expect something to come up from an external stakeholder or if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and uh, building on that, you know, success means different things to different people. What's uh, one thing uh, that you feel is your secret formula to your success? Um, oh, that's a very good question. Um, I do a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. and uh, check-ins with myself. Um, even the well it's a bit personal but without oversharing like everybody else like every year I'm suffering from the blue Monday especially because I'm coming from a sunny place and living in northern Europe it's tough for me so and usually the blue Monday is the the the, the tipping point of my uh, lack of sun and depression so usually I book my summer holidays at that time because it just make me uh, happy to think about uh, actually soon it's going to be springtime and then I'm going to go on holiday whatever yeah and then I was like uh, I was like okay let me um, but I don't know this time around it was a bit like different and then I was like but I have everything in my life to be happy why I feel so down right now and actually I read a book uh, I'm still reading it which is I can't uh, I wouldn't give justice to the, the I'm really bad with names and titles but it's a book about actually a leadership and to realize that most leaders are not happy mm-hmm. and actually it gives you tips uh, I can send you the link when I will uh, find out yes. but gives you tips yes. to actually first of all assess your own happiness mm-hmm. and then to to try to find out what makes you happy because everybody knows there are tons of studies studies about that that actually even when you get a promotion and a big salary bump or a new role the you know the 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 buzz you have, it doesn't last. So uh, it's really important to really assess what makes you truly makes you happy. And it can be different things for uh, different peoples, but that's where the self-reflection bits. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you position that. And um, that's such, a, such an important aspect, self re, self-reflection and, you know, the actions that you take associated with it um because that kind of just grows you and rebuilds you as well um, in terms of looking at the present and the future as well so you alluded to a few things around what you do so what what does the day in the life of Elodie look look like these days morning to evening (laughs) (laughs) well I uh, don't sleep much um I'm trying to actually, talking about self-reflection, I'm trying to refocus myself sometimes because I have this butterfly 
syndrome or I'm trying to uh, I'm a bit of an overachiever and I'm trying to do more and actually last night I was really proud of myself because someone asked me oh would you like to mentor me and my normal self would be uh, oh yes of course and then I was like actually I'm at max capacity now I can find someone else if you want because I already signed up for a mentoring thing and then um yeah, it's very busy. So uh, first of all, I'm a mom of two. My uh, children are uh, very young um, and I made a commitment to be still, despite being very uh, career oriented, to be uh, still present in my children's life. So uh, there is a lot of flexibility going on. And I'm very lucky to uh, that my boss actually and my company have a really good uh policy when it comes to flexible working. Also, it actually helped me that most of my uh, meetings and calls are with people uh, based in different locations with different time zones. So it helped me with the flexibility bit. And then I have some uh, non-negotiable slot where I actually look after my family. So like early morning, uh, like 6 to 8 p.m. usually. Sometimes I do work at night. But then, as I said, I try to refocus myself because sometimes I'm like anybody else, you know, I'm, you just do your stuff and then you finish to do your mommy duties or whatever. And then you look at the time you're like, oh my God, it's already 10 p.m. But I need to relax a bit. And then the worst case scenario, you actually turn on Netflix and then you get into this rabbit hole of, so you don't sleep much, etc. So now I'm trying to refocus myself to do some meaningful uh, things as well, like because I love reading. And then I realized that in the last couple of years, uh, thanks to um, or because of uh, social media, the screen time that I was actually spending way too much time on screen. And I was like, I used to be a, a I used to literally read like thousands of books. And then I realized that since the smartphone uh, became a thing, actually, I'm reading a lot, but online, yeah. and I'm like, it's not, no, it's not good. So anyway, so yeah, I'm doing that. So I don't sleep a lot, but enough to keep me going. It's actually quite fast-paced and busy, but it this is who I am, because if it's too quiet, when I was on maternity leaves, for instance, I uh, this is where I actually boosted my career, because I was reading tons of uh business books and watching TED Talks and uh, actually spending quite some time on LinkedIn instead of scrolling Instagram or uh, doing mindless stuff on Facebook. Or uh, Of course, I was uh, doing it a bit, but, you know, try to make the most of my downtime. Of course, I wasn't, it's, you're busy when you're not on holiday, when you're on maternity leave, but I needed my mind to be stimulated. Otherwise, it feels... I'm getting bored easily. <laughs> yeah, the word wonderful. You know, some of the key words as I was as you were describing all of this that's coming to mind about you is well-roundedness, reinvention, refocusing, self-reflection, agility, and keeping your mind um, awake yes. <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, with with new things and 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 kind of accessing some of the uh, some of the things that's kind of dead you know you mentioned about online versus just what was there previously you know in terms of reading and so forth so well, well done to you on that one um Elodie share, share with us any uh, we, we're coming to a close now so share with us any closing messages or a challenge to other 
leaders, uh, you know, at, uh, you know, different levels, you know, as you mentioned, everyone is a leader in their own right. That's, that's my philosophy as well. But any, any closing messages or challenge to other leaders, executives, boards, staff members, organizations, industries, anything that you want to share? Well, I actually um, think one of the most important thing as a leader is to uh, be vulnerable. And we have this tendency to think that, oh, I need to be strong. I need to. But I think it's more inspiring when your leader or your leaders, because you can be inspired by so many people, not only your boss, right? Uh, are actually showing that sometimes they are failing, sometimes they are tired, sometimes they are sad, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings and uh, you can't just expect people to be inspired by a cold-hearted person that only cares about business and targets and KPI and profit and losses, because at the end of the day, your team, they have life outside of work and you have to acknowledge that and without being uh, their therapist, right? But still, and I think the best way of doing that is also to lead by example and by showcasing that sometimes, yes, you have bad days. Sometimes you are tired. Sometimes you can't focus because you didn't sleep well because your child woke up in the middle of the night, you know, that type of thing. And that's why I like very much about my uh, own leaders at DFT because they are quite genuine and honest and they can show that sometimes they are not perfect you know because I think when you pretend you're perfect you send the wrong messages and this is how this um, toxicity start building up in your company you know so yeah it's that intersection of the you know you know intersection of um, a leader and a human exactly yeah mm -hmm. Well done, well done. Okay, well, thank you very much, Elodie, for being with us today and sharing your journey, your insights, and your perspectives as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Have a lovely day. Wonderful. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode on e-residence and an e-residence leader in the Baltics who shares her journey on building the next generation digital residence infrastructure. Stay tuned. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur, and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards, and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that. But what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams the board and overall business for growth. Leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated session, sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team 
and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a roadmap for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.